Let's pick up right where we slept off in the post-game show. I'm cracking another bottle. I'm cracking another bottle. Yeah. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, no. Delicious. The mask has stayed on. It's been on for hours. I've not taken it off. I don't know where I am. I don't know where any of us are except in a land of lions victory. And Africa is playing for the first time in 364 days on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. They brought Jeremy. That number isn't from me. Paul Allen kept track of time. I didn't. I didn't. I was lost beyond space and time. And Paul Allen reminded me it was one one year minus a day since the Lions have last won a game. And guess what? It happened. Air down that counter. Zero days since the Lions have fucked up. Reset the clock. Reset the clock. (laughs) Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Prideofdetroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook, where we are celebrating viciously a Lions victory. Beautiful. I might be overdoing it. <laughs> Maybe. We're going to dive into it a little bit harder, but I don't think the glow has worn off for me. The shock of winning a game, Jeremy. After all this time, after all this pain, after all this agony, to actually put a dub up there in a snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, which you had originally snatched defeat from the jaws of victory earlier in this game. But let's get to the crew here. I'm Christopher Fett, your adequate host. The Lucha ma- Luchador mask is on. Uh, the alcohol is cracked. I might be a little more fan than I usually am <laughs> right now, but that's fine because I feel like I should entertain our crowd because uh, apparently there's plenty of doom already going around on this game. I don't care. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, the eyewitness to the massacre at Ford Field, the, the, the defeat of the Minnesota Vikings, sending them crawling back to the Iceland's. Yeah. Oh man. It's been a, it's been quite a week of week of football, maybe a week in a day, if you want to sneak in the Ohio state game there as well, but man, yeah. Like, like you said, I mean, it's a victory. That's all that matters. And there, there are going to be some negative Nancy's out there who say, why are lions fans acting like this? You're being ridiculous. You're one 10 and one screw those people. And then there are going to be people that say, Oh God, you're, you guys are blowing Aiden Hutchinson. You're, you're not going to said that wrong. You guys are blowing your chance at Aiden Hutchinson. There we go. That sounds no, I like the original um, way you no, say no. it. No, <laughs> And uh, screw those people as well, because it, like you said, it's been 364 days since we've gotten a chance to celebrate a win. I'm going to celebrate it like it's a Super Bowl because why the hell not, man, that felt great. Mr. Rock God himself is our third man, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, I saw the drink. You can't hide yourself with the dour face. Just Diet Coke, my friend. No, no Jack in it. It's a school night. Um, okay. Yeah. I, hey, the Lions won. Awesome. <laughs> oh. You don't seem so enthused. You're the last person I expect to be the sourpuss on this stream. I'm not being a sourpuss. I'm just not going to be like, oh, like, I don't know. They won. Cool. Like, I liked, <laughs> I, I liked, I liked what happened at the end, but I think that there's an awful lot to talk about with this game. Oh. Oh, there absolutely is. Don't don't let don't let the lucha mask fool you. Well, so that's why that's why I'm not like just rushing to be like, oh yeah, finally a win. It's like yeah, but the way that the there's such it was such a big monkey off the back to me at least. Like just to like, 
I, I, I understand there's a whole bunch of problems over on the other side of the house right now, but I'm going to dance in the living room because the Lions just won. Like, let's, look, let's worry look, about the, the mess in the kitchen. Let's worry about the mess in the bathroom later. The kitchen's on fire. The toilet's backed up. I don't know what the hell is going on with the sink. But you know what? Over here, Ryan, in this, in this terrace, we have our arms outstretched and we are praising the sun god. That's what we're doing. Yeah, you no, praise the sun god. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a way to catch your first NFL touchdown. The biggest Absolutely. one. Amon Ross St. Brown. And dare I say, Jeremy, probably the dry, probably the game of his Detroit career so far out of Jared Goff, just shy of 300 gross yards. I, I understand it's Jared Goff still throwing the ball, but you told, if I told you before the game, Jeremy, your faith in a Jared Goff two minute drill in a percentage go your answer. I don't know. I mean, it, this, a minute 50 with no timeouts having to go the length of the field against the Vikings defense. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like I, I almost hit publish on my article before that drive even started. Like I, that's how convinced I was that game was probably over because I mean, that game had the markings of, I, I said it in, before we jumped on, it, it was, it was groundhog's day. That was basically every single Lions game we've seen this entire season where it's like, okay, they show flashes, they take a lead. And then everything at the end of the game collapses in the most calamitous fashion and there's a coaching mistake maybe in there there's a horrible jared goff turnover it has everything that every lions game has had this season except there was still a minute 50 left on the clock that was the one difference and jared goff did things and good things in the end and amon rod did good things and godwin Igwebuke had maybe the most underrated play of the game and we'll get to all that in a little bit but the first and the first time i mean well i think he was there on the squad last week but you know first time kicker yeah big kicks good good on riley patterson three for three 41 from 49 one from 41 one from 31 and made all his extra points like hey maybe maybe we got a thing there too yeah, I, here's the thing. I, I we, we talked about this on on previous shows before, but the Lions were able to sustain, and uh, they were able to <clears throat> they were able to outlive the mistakes that this team usually makes to to shoot themselves in the foot. And I, you know, I I think I don't want to say that this game was won in the second quarter, <laughs> but when you look at this stretch that the Lions played, where the, the Vikings had every opportunity to answer back. It was Vikings fumble. It was Vikings punt. It was Vikings turnover on downs. And all of those plays resulted in points for the Lions. They scored a touchdown off the fumble. They uh, scored a field goal off of, uh, off of a long 13-play drive. Yeah. And then uh, they kicked another field goal after the uh, turnover on downs. I mean, that's... It, it was huge. It was it was their most important quarter of football that they played all year. Yep. The 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 difference being is I think this game was really eerily reminiscent of the Packers game in a way, um, with the way that the Lions kind of I don't know they 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 threw everything at the wall that they could outside of because it doesn't really feel like the Rams game in the same sense, because there wasn't the wackiness to it. There wasn't right. the, we're pulling out all the stops, even on special teams to do this. This just felt like, uh, I mean, this felt <laughs> very fitting that it was the lions first win under Dan Campbell. Cause this really felt like a Dan Campbell type of victory. Like, I mean, he, he stuck to his guns. He did the things that he wanted to do um, sometimes to a fault. And 
they ended up pulling it out in the end. And, and that's, that's the, that's the only difference. That's the, that's, that's really the only difference is that they were able to, they were able to withstand and they were able to, you know, weather the, the storm of, of some mistakes. They, they, this, I, I feel like some of the games we've had, Ryan have been rolls the dice sometime on where the lines have come out. And part of that is those mistakes that put you in that place to begin with. And yeah, like we're going to talk about that fourth down play call later in the game. I just feel like the difference was in this thing, like for better or worse, Jared Goff actually started moving the ball. I, I talked again, like he almost had 300 yards passing in this game. Amon Ross St. Brown has 10 receptions. Josh Reynolds gets involved for 69 yards. Nice. TJ Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson with a touchdown and, and, and a handful of yards on top of it too. Like the passing game actually got involved for better or worse. It's not like the round game was really ignored except maybe on that fourth down call where it probably shouldn't have been ignored, but Jamal Williams did exactly what you hired Jamal Williams to do. Like whatever bugaboos were on the offense, Jeremy, there, there were no third down draw plays. Like I, maybe there was, there was, was there was one, there was it one. Okay. It wasn't a draw play, but it was, yeah. It was right. Down run. But, but, but what I'm but, saying when it's third and long, they weren't just phoning it in. I think that's the big sure. difference. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, you, and there weren't a lot of third and longs either. They were being effective they were and, much, and moving yes, the ball much better on first and second down. But I, I mean, here's the bigger story is like the Lions offense got the ball moving. And yes, most of it happened in that second quarter both Deion, without their best weapon, right? Deion, no DeAndre Swift. And you have to wonder if that maybe forced them into maybe a more aggressive mindset into throwing the ball a little bit more in this game. Um, because yeah, they, they were effective and golf was throwing it downfield and he was getting pretty good protection for most of the game. I mean, there was still a lot of times he was standing in the pocket forever and not seemingly wanting to push it downfield, especially in that third and fourth quarter before the, the end of the game. Um, but we saw what, what it looks like when, when everything is going right. And it, it, yes, it was just for a quarter, but golf was throwing it downfield. He, he wasn't afraid to, to throw it in some tight windows too. Like that touchdown he threw to Brock, right. Was a tight window that, that one he threw down the middle to, to Hawkinson that resulted in, in the roughing penalty as well, all very tight window throws. And then like, for whatever reason, like he got, he got the spooks again in, in the second half. And then it kind of went into a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a shell. And then obviously when it came down to the end of the game and he had no choice, but to throw the ball, he still kind of mostly checked down, but it worked. Yeah. And you know, the thing Jeremy is that uh, it, you know, probably as, as Chris mentioned, Jared Goff's best game is a Detroit lion uh, to date. His first win without Sean McVay, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Congratulations, Jared. Um, <laughs> you got that monkey off your back. Man, but yeah, I let's talk about the good because I mean that throw to Brock Wright, like holy smokes! I mean, yep. he, those he Josh Reynolds put, throws are money. Yeah, all four it, of them were all four of those receptions were dead on. I mean, it was. I don't know. I, I feel like it's probably the best, like we said, the best version of Jared Goff, and and that's why the Lions ended up coming out on top. And and something that I want to highlight is that this offense was terrible on third down. They were awful. True. They didn't, they didn't, they, they didn't convert their first third down da- or third down until the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I mean, you know, for, for a team that ended up scoring 29 points, ha- had I told you before this game, the Vikings are going to score 27 points. You're saying, well, the lions lost by a couple scores. Yep. Yep. I, I looked yeah. our, our, the best, only two people picked the lions on our staff to win this game. 
I picked them 14 to 10, almost as a joke score. Andrew Cotto, who I think was actually trying to get it right, chose 19 to 16. Right. All of us are scared to pick them. We, we all took the under. More than 20. We all took the under. They haven't hadn't scored 20 points since week one, and they scored 20 in the second quarter alone. That's, I mean, it was their best quarter of play by far on both sides of the ball. And it, it, it was a glimpse. Like we got, you know, those Matt Patricia games when we got a glimpse where it's like, wow, we ran for 200 yards and and that Miami game or that, that Patriots game. Um, this was the first time we got a glimpse really even for a full quarter. We haven't, we still haven't gotten one for a full game, which is frustrating and annoying, but I mean, you, you deal with the, the roster you have. So it was nice to have a single quarter of that and, Listen, it, it it carried them for most of this game. Like you said, it, it didn't really win them the ball game, but it certainly kept them in it until the very end. Let me ask Ryan too, because I think there is something to the fact that uh, the Vikings are missing what, like four, five defensive starters, including very large chunks of their linebacker core. I don't think this is very replicable. I will say that about the win. Well, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on that. I'm 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 not ready to to right. Well, well I throw an asterisk at this because the no, Vikings no, no, were I'm beat not, up because the Lions are look. Everyone's beat really up. Yeah, it's the NFL. Exactly. Like you're going to deal with injuries, but I do think that's part of sure. it. In that you're well, yeah. dealing with a very weak, you know, a very weak uh, pass pass protection for the for the Vikings. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll good to talk the about the schedule later about what they can still win. But yeah, go on. Well, good on the Lions for exposing you. You're right. Like they were missing two. Anthony Barr and, and Eric Kendricks, like two really good linebackers. And so who has big days? The Lions tight ends. Like that makes sense. Good on the lines for, for, for exposing that and, and doing that. And shame they couldn't have do, done it for a full four quarters. But the, the other narrative that I kind of took from this game is the, the one thing we've been saying all season for the Lions is like, they're so bad. They can't afford to, you, they, they can't afford to make a single mistake. Right. They're, they're right. just, they're they just haven't not been able enough. to, they haven't been able to weather those tumultuous points of the right. game because they crapped their pants. Yeah. Right. They did. They weathered it this time. They crapped their pants and then they shook it out from underneath their leg and said, I'm still playing some football here. And, and that deuce just hit the marble floor and they kept on walking. <laughs> and oh, Jesus, uh, but you like, started this. You're right. I did. That's my fault. Uh, I did. I said, cra- I said crap pants. So. <laughs> But I'm going to blame him anyway. I guess the point being like, this is why we were screaming over the past three weeks. Like don't get hyper conservative. Like you can win a game and make mistakes. You're not, you're not going to do it consistently because you're just an overall bad team. But like the, the, the Steelers crap their pants a lot. The Browns crap their pants. That's why they're called the Browns. The Jeremy. Bears crap their pants a bunch last week. And they, that's why they're games the and they're not that good. Um, a lot of scatting on this podcast. But like, yeah, the, holy the point God. is, like, did you see the Arizona Cardinals picture they tweeted out? Who's they? Arizona Cardinals. They tweeted out. It looks like poop. <laughs> oh no! That's the only I reason didn't. I'm mentioning it. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm but sorry. I'm sorry. Point, my overall point just being like the Lions were a little more aggressive in this game. Some would say they were too aggressive at, at a certain point. I would argue against that, and we'll get maybe we'll get to that now. Maybe we'll get it to later. I don't care when we talk about the fourth and one thing well, but I, my point being like the lions threw the ball a bunch in this game and guess what bad things didn't happen one one bad thing happened while they threw the ball uh, and that's pretty much it like mostly good things happened and so do that more because you might win a game you might pull out a game even if you i, I guess i have no other words for it even if you craft your hands <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, here's here's my other big takeaway from this game 
27 carries for 100 yards. Like, it's I fine. mean, it was it was a ho hum day on the ground, and this isn't what you expected. I, you know, I mentioned earlier, like this is probably how Dan Campbell wants to win a football game. I guess I should say that Dan Campbell just probably really wanted to win a football game <laughs> uh, to finally, as you as you mentioned, Jeremy, to get that monkey off their back. But I mean, this isn't this isn't reminiscent really of like the any of the wins of the Patricia era. It's not reminiscent of like being physically dominant up front. Like they were in that, that dolphins game or, um, you know, they, they had a, they had their first hundred yard rusher when, when carry on Johnson got it, when they, when they beat the Patriots, but like this didn't feel like a physically imposing offense. This felt like at, at certain times with the way that golf was fitting balls into tight windows, it felt like a pretty surgical offense. Like it, it felt like, Holy, holy shit. Jared Goff just made that throw. Yeah. Like Jared Goff just made that throw. I, I mean, for better or for worse, sometimes like I was terrified that TJ Hawkinson was going to get knocked out of the game. Like yeah. when, when he popped up as, as quick as he did after that play where we're here in the, uh, the personal foul penalty, like that was a really dangerous throw that Jared Goff made. And then obviously the other really dangerous throw was one into triple coverage. <laughs> I mean, Less, yeah, oh. I, the, 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 the bow I want to put on that is like, even when Jared Goff made a couple of mistakes, like Jared Goff, I mean, the, the drive at the end of the game, I, Mike Zimmer has to be beside himself because he just let the lions <laughs> chunk and chunk and chunk in the most important play on that drive by a former defensive back converted to running back. Godwin Nguibuke, yep. the, the the catch that he made, and then to go as east and west as he was to, to get, get out of all bounds, the way yeah. out of bounds and get a first down. Yep. Like Jeez, that boy. was that was the key play to that drive. That was where it was like, okay, now the Lions have a shot. Like they they have it, they have a chance, they have an opportunity to get this done. And kudos to Jared Goff. He, he that was, finally that was one it. of one of the two third down conversions, by the way, on the day is, is that Godwin Iguabuke play. And it's Dan Campbell talked about that play. It's like usually the, the coaching point is just split the middle, get as much yards as you can, and we'll spike it. Um, but that, I mean, that, that, was, much, play, that was much better. That was much yeah. better. You, you save at least 15 seconds there. You get the first down so that you aren't facing a fourth down. Um, and like, yeah, like if, if he's inbounds and he doesn't get the first down there, you're hustling to line on a fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three. And how does play. this team perform when they're under the gun on a fourth and short? I don't, I don't know. It's not like we've ever getting... talked about them rushing to the line to right. get a play in. By exactly. the way, that delay of game came very quickly, far more quickly than Lamar Jackson got. Mm. Just saying. <laughs> but hey, I, Where's I do, Lamar Jackson right now? I don't know. Well, apparently he couldn't. He couldn't keep TJ Watt out of his face and uh, he deprived us from a chance to see the Vi the Steelers, excuse me, five, five, and two. If they had just gone to overtime, I was rooting for that. I'm, I'm in full sickos mode today. <laughs> um, my game ball though, I'm going to go back to the sun God. I, I feel like he's proven. I, I know I'm knee jerking on a touchdown here, but besides that they've moved him around a lot in the past three games. He's seeing volume levels of receptions. He led the team this week in yardage. He is a rookie, but I think he's one of those wide receivers you're going to be depending on for the, for the, for the, for the years to come. And this feels like a very statement game in that he, he's the one who gets the ball on the final play 
Um, I'm just watching that play again right now, just kind of really just challenging. What was it? The left side of the, uh, he challenges, I believe two, two Vikings in coverage just turns around and like sits in front of them and is just able to just hold on for dear life. I mean, Jared Goff and Dan Campbell were both just like extremely complimentary of the guy. And Dan Campbell saying like, listen, we've, we've loved this guy for a long time. We've for the past three or four weeks, they've really been trying to get him into the game plan and whether it's injuries to your quarterback or, or backup quarterbacks or rain or whatever, they just haven't been able to do it. But the play that they ran the game winning play was a play that they've been running since the beginning of camp, but he hasn't been the one in that role. They, like you said, they just recently moved him to the outside. And I think that was three or four weeks ago. And, and, you know, was, he the play I think a million he said it was three before. games ago. He just yeah. moved out of there three games ago. Yeah. And, and I mean, just, I mean, take these words from, from Jared Goff. He's a stud. He's a stud, a lot of confidence. He's a stud, stud a lot and will be a stud for as long as he wants to be in this league. He, he was really, I watched that, that post, the post game presser on stream. He was really hung up on the word stud done. Yeah. And not listen, not like, that we, not that we've made this first segment as foul as possible. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I mean, the, the touchdown catch, like kudos for him for like making a high pressure catch. I think the story of that play is a little bit more on just like, why are the Vikings playing three, four yards deep in the end zone? doesn't <laughs> yeah. really make a lot of sense. Uh, they, 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 te- I mean, that was, that was what but the again, Lions did. Yet last again, week on the, on the fourth or third and four, like they, they biffed it that hard. But again, like you ran a play that, that you guys were comfortable with. It worked. And, and I'm on made the play. Like the lines, the lines made the play when they needed to. And again, 10 receptions on 12 targets for the day too. Yep. Like he was, he was receiving volume. He was want to take a break here and then talk a little coaching. Yeah. I was just seeing if Ryan had anything else here to add. I don't let's, Let's move this right. thing along. Let's talk coaching. Let's talk a fourth down decision later on in the show. I want to talk about kind of the rest of the emotion that went into today. Um, obviously, Campbell and everyone else very emotional um, in the in the post game press conferences um, over events that have happy, happened this week. And maybe we'll take a look at the rest of the path here. Maybe I don't. I, I don't think the Lions can mess up the first overall pick at this point. They can, but who cares? That's they can, fine. but I, I would say this. They can't go like low. I, I don't think they're going to fall to third. So we'll see. Either way, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about coaching and talk about so much more on the Pride of Detroit POD cast celebrating a win. Victory Monday. Africa is back, baby. Uncork the good stuff. It's good again. It's for one day. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
and Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Friday Detroit POD cast basking in the afterglow, the Royal glory of the first win in just one day under a calendar year. Since the last time the Lions won Jeremy, uh, I'm going to get Africa on Monday, right? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm going to find still live. every single version I can find of that song and post so, it on Twitter. We should explain this. It's been a minute. Cause I don't think we really played it up that much in the Patricia era too. So for those who aren't aware, like during 2016, we came up with a tradition of playing uh, Africa by Toto after every lion's victory. And that was the year the lions rattled off a bunch of come from mind victories. And it was very fun. And people were sending us videos of them drunk in bars, screaming Africa, putting it on jukeboxes, annoying the hell out of everyone. Um, and I feel, and then we had that one contest for song of the game, I think in 2017, that people just stuffed the ballot box for Africa by Toto for like oh, the entire season. At Ford Field. Yeah. At Ford, at Ford Field. Field. Yeah. For song of the game. Yeah. It's a good time. I think it's, it's time to bring it back. Yep. It's, this is our battle cry. <laughs> It's back again, baby. Um, but now let's be a little grounded. Now let's be a little less slappy because I don't think you, you guys, you guys put it right. You guys put it right. This game, as much as I want to celebrate it and cherish it and hug it and put it in a glass case and show it off to my family was very much so lion's business as usual in that it lived on the razor's edge of total unmitigated disaster at any given point. And a lot of that came from coaching decisions in this game. So let's start with the biggest one. Let's start with the fourth down play call. Let's start with what happened there. So Lions are up to. About four and a half left or so. Four and a half left. Yes. Uh, I believe it was like fourth and one. They're on their own 28 yard line. They had just called a timeout before that play. Timeout number two. Timeout number two for the quarter. Yep, yep. And the problem isn't going for it, Jeremy, because like I I don't think they should have gone for it on their own 28th. That's me being conservative. That's me reaching, panicking, even though I know the logic inherent within the decision. I just feel like you're up to at that point – Trust Jack Fox to turn the field over. But I also understand going for it because fourth and one should be 
automatic with the way Jamal Williams has been a bowling ball that game. The problem, though, Jeremy, paint the picture on what the play call was. Well, I, 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 here, I've, I've been very, I think, critical of, of Dan Campbell over the past three weeks. I'm going to give him a complete pass on this one. 100% pass on this. One. Really? Even even yes. on the fact that this yes. this play turned into yes. Yes. a play yes. action yes. Yep. to Jared Goff yep. that was immediately blown up because there was no protection on the right side <laughs> of the line and he also missed a Brock right open. First, okay, let's let's go back to the decision really quick cuz yes. You're not alone in thinking the line should have punted there. What happened last week when the Lions punted the ball? Chicago Bears went on an 8-minute drive and won the game. All, all the Vikings had to do was four and a half minute drive and the game is over. And based on how the lines were playing at that point, it seems like a pretty good chance that might've been what exactly what happened. So I'm okay going for it. It, it, it is a hyper-aggressive call. I'm a hype. I'm always in favor of hyper-aggression, especially on a fourth and one. Fourth and ones are high percentage plays. Maybe not for this offense, but it's a high percentage play. Now, was the play call good? No, obviously it didn't work. But the Lions just haven't like they don't have a fourth and one play call right now that consistently succeeds. Whether yeah, I mean, give it to the fullback that didn't work a couple weeks ago. Give it to Jamal Williams. Go back to like week four. He trips and doesn't convert. The Lions have tried a lot of things, and so to point at that game at, at that play and said, "Oh, they got too cutesy with it. It didn't work." Hindsight, 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 hindsight. Well, to your point, Jeremy, I mean, this is the Lions coming out of the half. Punt, two yards. Right. Punt, negative 10-yard drive. A field goal, an interception. Like, that that was your second half, and then that play, or and then then that drive. And I... I, I'm with Chris in, in the sense that like I'm I'm not crazy about the the play action, you know, trying to maybe throw it out to Jamal Williams in the flat on like a quick pass that would really be in rhythm and comfortable and easy for Jared Goff. But I I think what's really tough about this offense is like they don't really have a skill position player that they can count on in one of those situations. Like you don't have a guy necessarily that's like super sure handed that you can run or you a guy who can like create a bunch of separation on a short, on a short route. Like, I don't think they really have that player on their roster and compound that with the fact that you have Jared Goff. I mean, like a fourth and one, a fourth and one bootleg play or, you know, a play action play where he's rolling out, like that play doesn't have the opportunity to get extended or doesn't have the possibility of him, you know, maybe picking up the first down on his feet or anything like that. Like he has his own set of limitations. This offense has a set of limitations with like the, the skill that, that that's just on here. And if, if Frank Ragnow's in that game, you're probably much more inclined to run it up the middle. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if, yeah. if you're healthy, yeah. If you're healthy on the offensive line, that changes things too. And, the, the, the one other thing that I wanted to say was that the Lions, like, I'm, I'm fine with the, I'm, I'm fine with them trying though. Like, I totally agree with you, Jeremy. Like I'm fine with the, the aggression to do it in, 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 even on the, the early fourth down, um, you know, on, on the, on the team's first drive, like that was a position where the Lions were on the, they were on the 41. They were right near midfield. Yep. They just got the Minnesota Vikings to punt. 
you're winless. Go win the football game. Yep. And it's fourth and one. So I, I don't really have a big problem with either of them. And I, I mean, I don't think most people have a problem with a play call in the first one either, right? Like, I think we've all been dying for them to do a little bit more QB sneaks in, in fourth and short situations. And of course that didn't work either. I, I did see the one thing that people kind of got hung up on was why don't you just get to the line and do the quarterback sneak? Like, why was it shotgun? Oh yeah. And then I think he checked and, to, it, it seemed like he checked. And then he checked. It. Yeah. It seemed like he checked to it. So it was like either line up and just like, that's what you're going to do. Or I don't know, but I mean, I don't know. Jamal Williams did his best to run into Jared Goff's back <laughs> yeah, and push him across the line. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, he didn't happen. hit him right in yeah. the oblique <laughs> there for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, I don't uh, do. Are we cool with the Campbell conversation? Can we jump to the Jared Goff interception really quick? Because that one had me fuming. Sure. Let's go there. I think we had some questions about timeouts late in this game. Oh, but. well, yeah, there was a timeout right before the fourth down, which I thought was really like, I understand like it's a fourth down call. You, you want to think it over. Um, but when you do that, if you don't make it suddenly you're in a time crunch. Because you only oh, have I was thinking, one more timeout after that. Sure, sure. But I'm thinking about the last timeout, which was taken defensively just right. after the two-minute warning while, while uh, Minnesota had the ball. Well, they had to do that, right? I feel like they had well, to do yeah, that. Well, yeah. They they the timeout in the first half, though, if, if there's the one. The first half was really bad. The that one half, was bad. So the, 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 the Vikings are trying to do a, a one-minute drill, I think, at the end of that first half. And the Lions called a timeout after like an incomplete pass, not an incomplete pass, obviously, like a, a one-yard gain on first mm-hmm. down. And they're like, we want to get the ball back again. And listen, like it ended up working out because the Vikings ended up <laughs> yeah. screwing the pooch on that drive and the Lions got an extra field goal. But that that Crapping is their a, pants, but that's a perfect example of like getting the right result with the wrong decisions. Um, <laughs> and so like yeah. that was that was like weirdly aggressive like no the vikings are going to try to move the ball here whether you call a timeout or not like the, now that you called the timeout it's not like oh they want the ball back we better we better milk their timeouts and run the ball no they were going to go for some points down they already done what 11 at that point so that was kind of yeah. crazy i don't i don't think coaching was great in this game but i think i think dan campbell as a play caller probably had his best game right in general is that fair to say yeah, I mean he didn't he didn't overcommit himself to the run. Yep. I don't think. Uh I, I think that he gave Jared Goff some opportunities to to push the ball downfield and he ended up making some of those throws and, and converting them. So I, I don't really have any any problem. I, I think I more so have a problem with like I guess like play design on like sure. fourth down. Like right. they, they need to figure out, they need a fourth down. Nah. Play. They just but, need something that's going to work. And I don't know what it is. Right. I, but then again, it, you know, again, it comes back to that idea about like maybe just not having the players to do what they want to do, but right. And yeah, I guess maybe I, that's the argument not to go for it on fourth down in your own zone is like, they just don't have a fourth down play. And if that's your argument, that's fine. But I, I still like them being aggressive there. Yeah. I, I, but I, I, no, I, I was going to say, I think the, the, the thing that I had the biggest problem with was that timeout that he called um, when the, you know, Vikings were trying to run that one minute drill because it was pretty obvious. Like you said, the lions were up by 11. The Vikings knew that the lions were getting the ball coming out of the half and right. they had, yep. I mean, here, here is their, here's their last four drives of the half touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal. Like, I mean, they had just put 17 points on the Vikings out of nowhere and they're down and they're down 17, six, like they're going to try to score points. 
like you said, Mike Zimmer wasn't going to be like, oh, man, we really need to run the ball, you know, three more times to, to milk the clock. Oh, I mean, no. Oh, no. They got to run it. As evidence, as evidenced by the fact that I, I thought I thought Zimmer made a lot of mistakes, like a lot of mistakes. Like I was not a huge fan of him going for it on fourth and 10 on on the 42. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of like, just goes to show you, like we were always very hyper-focused on the line side. Never like Dan Campbell's got made a lot of controversial decisions this year. And everyone's like, Oh my God, like no other coach in the league would go for it on fourth and one from their own 25 up to it's like, no, that happens all the time. And, and coaches make mistakes all the time. And I didn't think this was a particularly bad game from Campbell. You, you can, you can quibble with, with the play call on fourth down. You can quibble with a lot of play calls in this game, but in general, like, Lions did it. They did what they needed to. They did it. They won the damn football game. Jared Goff? You want to talk about Jared Goff? That interception was so bad. I I, <laughs> I, I was, was bad. all ready for the... It was really bad. It was... It is. I don't... I, from watching it on television, like, I don't know if I saw what I thought I saw, and I don't know if either of you can confirm this, but, like, were there three defenders that all had their arms like on the, <laughs> yes. like yeah. all like there were yep. six there were six arms that were all like we're gonna catch this ball. <laughs> I, it was such a baffling play, man, and 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 at the same time not baffling at all because Jared Goff has a really hard time going beyond his first read. But like you see the linebackers all closing in on Hawkinson. And Amon Ra is just running with not a defender within 20 yards. He might score on that play and win you the football game there. And he just like, he just loves Hawkinson so much. He can't like, that's all he sees is he has blinders and they're all pointing right towards Hawkinson. Those are new blinders, by the way. They're not used to him finding Hawkinson. Jared Goff would have a very, very tiny vision cone if he was in (laughs) Madden FL 06 quarterback. Right. It's just I, like, I don't want to harp on the guy because as we mentioned in the first segment, like the dude kind of played his ass off. Got for, the job done, man. And, and yeah, done. game winning drive, all that sort of stuff. But it's just that game was so close to being the narrative we've had all season where it's like one controversial coaching decision and one Jared Goff implosion. And thankfully, I mean, this, this is the power of a win, right? Like it changes the narrative of the entire game. You can, you can forgive a mistake like that and say, and look at to the rest of the game and be like, actually Jared Goff kind of had a good game. There was just one catastrophic mistake that nearly sunk the game, but it didn't because he did something good also. And that's the power of a win, baby. Well, I think that it was also like, we, uh, I think that's true of Dan Campbell too. Yeah. Again, the absolutely. fourth down call, like yep. again, like, I, t- I told you, it's like, I am really not feeling having to come in here and talk for 45 minutes about that fourth down play call. <laughs> but uh, no, we get saved by that because Jared Goff finds his Coyotes in the last two minutes. I, I, can, can I do like a three people who I thought were awesome in this game type of Yeah, segment? sure. Let's do it's game balls, dude. It's game balls. Game You're balls. just doing game balls. Hand out your balls. Three, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Listen, don't judge people. There's everyone's born a little different. Yeah, I, I, chat chat's all over the first one. Jerry Jacobs, my God, like that guy was balling out. Made three or four open field tackles that either were for loss or for like one or two yards on these bubble screens that the Vikings continued to try. And that guy is just like 
he's so much fun to watch too. You know, I, he, he got caught deep, I think on one of the Jefferson balls, I couldn't tell if it was his guy or not, but like he was down there for, I think it was like a 48 yarder. And then there was a like third and 10 or 11, they converted over his head too. But like, I don't know the way he's tackling the way he's defending at the line of scrimmage is just really, really impressive. And he continues really to be, I think maybe the only guy in that secondary that, that is consistently making plays um, wasn't, wasn't a great day for Imani, but you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, this, yeah. this is, this isn't about him. <laughs> um, two. Can I, can I say two things about Jerry Jacobs real quick? Please do. So one, one thing about Jacobs game that I absolutely loved was that he would have had another tackle for a loss. If Justin Jefferson wasn't credited for a forward pass in this game, <laughs> like Jerry Jacobs <laughs> yeah. had that play blown yep. up. And Justin injured Jefferson on that play too. Like, yeah. like still throwing the ball. And that was the second thing when Jerry Jacobs went down after that play, I, I cursed at my TV and I was like, I, I remember I quote tweeted Benjamin Raven when he said like, you know, uh, Jacobs is questionable. I was like, I am questionable to keep watching this football game because <laughs> like that's how much he matters to the Lions defense. And he, I mean, he showed how much he mattered today. Yeah. Huge game for him. The other, number two, also on the defense, Charles Harris didn't show up for the oh entire God. game, but that second quarter, he was just all over the damn place. Like two sacks. Yeah, no, he was bursting through there like a chest burster. Yeah. Strip sack. He almost had a third sack, I think, in that same quarter. He was just like destroying. He had, he had cousins sure. rattled. He had cousins real rattled. And and like that's what you're supposed to do. Like the Vikings are missing their starting left tackle. So what do you do? You go out there and dominate the next guy. That's that's what a good football team does. And that's what we've been looking for for a couple of weeks now. No pass rush. And listen, there, there are a lot of other problems with the edges in this game. For some reason, the fake pitch worked about a 10 billion times because no one could would, would say discipline. It? It seems to have ever seen yeah. it before. No one was staying disciplined on, on the edges. So like overall, I think the edges were probably pretty bad. And I bet I bet Charles Harris was guilty one or two times on that as well. But the pass rush was there and it's kind of awesome to see the lions be the one to reclamate a, a former first round pick who had busted out of this league. Like how many times do we at least say like the lions are the ones that do that? Like Kyle Van Noy and all these guys that, that the Lions drafted, it didn't work out here. And suddenly they go work out somewhere else. It doesn't really happen as often as people say it does, but it almost never happens in the opposite direction. So good to see the Lions make something out of Charles Harris. Not that he's, you know, even starter worthy probably, but nice rotational piece that I, that I hope the Lions can maybe, Hold on to. Yeah, he seems to work well in rotation. You know, not in pass protection, not in, not in. I mean, not in coverage, not in pass rush, but as rotational, he seems to get the right uh, the right hops. I'm I'm not trying to put Jeremy on blast right now, but what I'm saying is supposed to be uh, an example of kind of like where a lot of people were with Charles Harris in training camp. Like Jeremy was like roster bubble, might not even make the team for sure. And this guy is the Lions' best pass rusher. And like you said, it's, it's not consistent. It's really it's really hot and cold, but he's making a lot more plays than not. I mean, remember, like, go back to the trade deadline. When there were trade deadline articles, it was maybe a team that needs a pass rusher can go get Charles yeah. Harris from the Lions. He had that four or five-game sack streak going earlier in yeah. the season. Yeah. Um, my last guy... I'm just going to cheat and say the entire offensive line in terms of pass protection. I thought, I thought they were fantastic today. I think there was one breakdown with Panay where someone didn't cover somebody for whatever reason. There was, uh, there was one thing that happened with Decker where Harrison Smith came off the edge and like yeah. he had the, 
opportunity to absolutely destroy Jared Goff from behind. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were, I, I think, and honestly, I think those were like the two main things that happened. I'm, PFF has like a, you know, preliminary grades out there that the Lions gave up five total pressures in the game and they dropped back to pass a lot. They said the Lions posted an elite 87.1 pass blocking grade in this game. And that showed like golf had a lot of time in this game and a lot of, and it's frustrating. Sometimes it's frustrating how much time Jared Goff has because Jared Goff needs a lot of time, a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and like you would see, usually we haven't seen him. Usually when I've seen him, he just like reads the first read and he's like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. Um, this is what happened. You gave him times. He just didn't seem to know what to do with that. Right. <laughs> but Overall, they gave him enough time to at least go to a second read a couple times. And um, Dan Campbell even said that deep pass to Tarkinson that drew the penalty. That was a second read. And that, you know, kudos to the offensive line for giving him that time to do so. And people are in the chat are saying, I'm on our, we already talked about, I, I let Chris go off about I'm on around the first segment. So I, I mean, well, obviously I'm on yeah. deserves a game ball, but this was like, People we haven't talked about yet. Game no, people we haven't talked about. Amon Ra, absolutely. And, and Jared Goff, to some degree, gets to be the heroes of the day. I feel like Amon Ra, like, again, not just the winning catch, but just the volume that he's been able to put out lately. And I think that stands to good to good measure of what he'll be in the future. But, yeah, no, obviously, there, there's, plenty, there's plenty good to talk about with some of these performances. We don't usually get to have that. <laughs> True. So... All right. Um, you want to take a little bit of a break here and then we'll talk about uh, what comes next for Lions. Absolutely. What this win, what this win, win means and wrap up everything else from this. I I'm sorry. I've been way too much cops lately. It's I'm going to need okay. some, ca- I'm going to need some caffeine during the break. And I'm going to tease before we go to break, you should be watching live. Cause right after this break, you know what we're going to do? We're all going to watch Dan Campbell celebration in the locker room together as as a lions fandom as a you guys family. can't do that because you're just listening to on the podcast don't don't disrespect the <laughs> podcast people they're the ones who pay the bills hey, we sure but i'm just saying they're the ones you who both. pay the bills you both we'll be right back on the pride of detroit beauty cast Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast here, celebrating in the basking glow of a flawless victory. No problem with it whatsoever. <laughs> um, let's talk about also our flawless victory for November real quick. Uh, we did need to do a shout out real quick because uh, you guys, all of our loyal listeners over the course of November, that is November, while we were growing mustaches, I couldn't wait to shave mine off. Jeremy is consigned to his for at least another month, maybe more. Yep. Um, we raised $20,000. I think that word alone carries itself by itself. Um, especially in the final, the final day where we did a 15 hour stream that Jeremy kind of spearheaded. Uh, we raised how much did we raise in that final day in a low Jeremy? It was a lot. Yeah, I think it was close to eighty five hundred alone. So almost half of our uh, our charity drive came just from that fifteen hour stream. And thanks to everyone, thanks to all the guests who stopped by. If if you missed any of it, like 
I don't know if we're going to ever put any of it on the, on the podcast stream and stuff, but we had Dean Bruno stop by. We had, um, you know, Chris Burke and, and Nick Baumgunner from the athletic Dan Miller stopped by all of it is still available on Twitch. I'm going to continue to upload some of it to, to YouTube, but thanks to all them. And then obviously thank you to everyone who, who donated throughout the month. It was ridiculous. Um, it was ridiculous amount of people. And I, I keep saying this because I want to drive the point home. It wasn't just like one or two donators strolled in and dropped five G's or anything like that. I think we had over 150 people donate in, in total. And um, there, there were definitely some people who donated way more than, than I think I expected, but in general, we got to that number through $50 donations and $20 donations and $60 can donations we name, and $100 can, donations. Can we name that one person or is he I, still I, asking I think, to be anonymous? I think he mostly wants to stay under the wrap, but, okay. but there were, I will, I will say that there were, I think there was five people that donated over a thousand, um, four or five, which blows me away. And to all the people who did that, you know, who you are infinitely grateful because two great causes, the prostate cancer foundation and, and rain, um, each of them got, got a big bump in November and, uh, it's, it's each of them picked by the staff too. Ryan yeah. picked the prostate cancer foundation. Um, you know, I picked, you know, rain for, for myself, for my own, for my own personal reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Th- those people who donated over a thousand dollars, um, can you let me know whether or not the company or business you work for is hiring? <laughs> but but you were we're gonna hear from some of those people because some of them cashed in a 750 dollars reward of, of being on the podcast and so sweet we'll pr- that'll we'll be probably... a formal formal job interview expected. there you go there you go <laughs> um but yeah th- that'll probably take place in the offseason there are also going to be a bunch of fun stuff we're doing on our twitch channel as well i'm going to be doing a, a ned flanders and a ted lasso cosplay on separate days um and at some point this mustache is getting dyed blue and silver as well so um we Again? hit a bunch more goals Wow. Yeah. You're going to have to bleach it again and nearly die from the bleach. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, Worth I it. don't know what to say. It was huge. You think you it, can do, think you can do cotton balls up the nose. Would that help to prevent the smell? See these, this is, you know, you learn from one experience. You, you get great <laughs> advice like that. Are we talking Let's about talk- your nostrils anymore? Or are we talking about the 2021 Detroit lions? No. Oh, hey, oh. <laughs> Can we talk about another kind of heart touching moment uh, though, from like the, the outpouring of support and kind of what's happened over the past week involving Oxford high school. And I know that the lions and Dan Campbell was very adamant first thing out of his lips. And you could tell it was kind of like his emotions wearing through and both him, Jared Goff. I think most guys who came up to the podium were wearing Oxford high school uh, gear especially those hats, which were very, very cool. Um, but you can tell this game meant a lot to them in that they wanted to, I don't, I'm not going to say they wanted to win it for Oxford high school, but at the same time, like they wanted to play like hell and they had those people at the forefront of their minds for whatever that, that happens to be worth after um, something as horrible as this. Yeah. It's, it's a tough topic to talk about it. And it, you know, you don't want to shoehorn a, a narrative in a story just to like, you know, pull on the heartstrings, but you're right. Like this did feel like something that was very important to Dan Campbell. We heard all week, you know, players and coaches that, that felt personally impacted, whether it's, you know, Todd Walsh, who was there when Columbine happened in Denver and just kind of felt those same 
emotions happen and he sees what it does to a community. He sees the pain that, that they feel. And, you know, almost all these coaches have kids that are in high school or around that age. And so obviously they're dealing with the fallout from that because, you know, schools are being closed locally because there's death threats and things like that. And, and their kids are afraid to go to school and, and things like that. It's just an, a moment like that has so many ripple effects that you don't really consider unless you're right there in the middle of it. And like, you know, the Detroit community was this week. And so, you know, Campbell was thinking about it all, all week and, and golf was golf was pretty choked up at the end of this game. And yeah, like, I, I, I don't, I don't know how much it matters to this community. It's hard to know with, without seeing them, but the goal for them was to give them three hours of relief, three hours of something that they can, you know, put their mind aside and just enjoy a football game. And if they come out with a win or they come out with an amazing finish, like they did, maybe that helps them for a day or two, because that's that. I mean, that's all that you can do in the midst of a tragedy is you take it a day at a time. You, you take whatever wins you can get just to get by in a time like this. And so it's, it's, it's a nice moment. Um, I, I hope it provides some relief, um, but obviously Monday we, we go back to the stark reality we're in. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what else to think about it, but it, I guess it, it was, it was a nice moment and obviously it was nice for the lions to, you know, come out wearing apparel and, and, and hold a moment of silence and wear a decal on their helmets. And, and to the Vikings credit, they also wore the same decal on their helmets as well. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think for me personally, like I, I was just kind of tired by the end of the week. Yeah when it came to all of it and you know the 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 thing is is i was just tired and i I think when when you're tired and you can't shut your brain off um and and you need some distractions i i think that's what sports are good for like they're good for just being a distraction they're good for something that um you know as you mentioned jeremy can take your mind off things for for a little while because it's not healthy to just be so consumed in that. And that's what it felt like ever since Tuesday, like ever since Tuesday, it's just felt like waking up and hearing something else about it or learning something new about it. And it for as exhausting and as tired as I am, like you think about that community and like they are dealing with like the trauma of it and, and the fallout from it. And, you know, um, without, you know, being immersed in it myself, like, or anybody, you know, you, the only thing you can do is, is, is empathize. And, uh, it, it was nice to, it was, it was nice. I think to see the gestures done by, you know, like the Michigan football team, sure. uh, wearing, wearing their, their embroidered patch that they had for, for Tate Meyer, or, you know, seeing Jalen Elliott walk into the the stadium today with, you know, sharing the same number as him. Um, but I, I thought what was really cool of, Dan Campbell cool is the wrong word for it, but I thought what was really touching and, and honoring um, Dan Campbell is, you know, not hyper-focusing on like just the football player that passed away, like all the victims that were, were, you know, wounded or, or lost their lives. Like he went up to that press conference and he said all their names and, yeah. you know um, I think that was, I think that was really honorable. Yeah, I think uh, I think all we can hope is that this did provide a little bit of a distraction and joy for those people. And if people don't know, obviously Ryan, it's a teacher himself, um, not not at Oxford, but you know, not really all that far away. 
um, all things considered. Um, so, you know, he feels it on another level. A lot of us feel on personal levels for, for whatever tragedy you guys have been through or, you know, how you can relate to a situation like this. Um, but yeah, it is, it is, it is a bit of a coincidence that the Lions get their first win. And I don't know if that, that makes people feel any better or just having a football game there to distract people in general is, is worthwhile, but either way, um, touching moment, I really thought, yeah, the Jalen Elliott thing was, was nice. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess I don't really know what else to say on the topic, but, um, hopefully, hopefully we don't go back Monday morning and just forget about everything. That's one thing that we can't do. Right. Is just get complacent here. Um, and it feels like we do that a little too often in, in faces of tragedy like this. Yeah. <clears throat> that's the, that's going to be the important thing is just being proactive and uh, continue to work towards a solution um, because, you know, stuff just has to stop. Yeah. No yeah. question. All right. Um, I don't know how to transition out of this in a non-awkward way. So let's, let's just look towards the future here. Let's talk. Because, you know, the the pessimistic Lions fans that, that we all know and love are looking at this win. And now the Lions have one and a half wins on the season, uh, which is inching closer to potentially being out of that first overall spot. And that's got some pe- people feeling a little nervous because, I mean, yeah, it, it it's certainly a lot more possible now that the Lions don't have that first overall pick the Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars both two and 10. So they only have two wins. So if they lose out and the Lions win one more game, that's dropping two spots because of that extra half win. And if you look at how Houston and you look at how Jacksonville played this week, not very good, but yeah, the good news, the good news in this situation is that Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars both cannot lose out because they both play each other in two weeks. Yeah. Well, that that's some good news. Um, some, some bad news is that the New York Jets are three and nine. And I mean, <laughs> you're looking at the potential situation where if the Lions do end up winning three games, then you're looking at maybe the third overall pick. I think that's still in territory um, for, again, good players that are there. Like, again, I know we're locked into edge and I would die to have an edge, but Kyle Hamilton is a really good player. And I don't know, maybe one of those teams takes that. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I kind of like lost my internet there in the middle of that. Uh, Jeremy, did you mention that the Texans and the Jaguars both play each other? Yeah. I just um, mentioned that okay. in, in two yeah. weeks. Yeah. And if we want, we can go down their schedule. Like they're, they're still, yeah, I'll pull up the Jets schedule too. And I think maybe, maybe the Seahawks, maybe talk about them because the Lions will play them head to head too. And they're at, they four. did just pick up a win. So like, they did just pick up a win. Yes. But so, so, okay. So Jacksonville, um, they just lost it. They've got a bit of a tough schedule, but they got two win. Like Titans next week is going to be tough at Titans, yeah. but then they got that big game against the Texans, big in, in very much in quotations. Um, and then the Jets after that, Patriots, Colts. So two, maybe three winnable games it, in there. It, it, it's nice that they, the Jaguars play the Jets as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think that uh, there's a good way for a lot of those teams to start splitting with each other. Right. And I think the jets could maybe pick up a win playing the dolphins who have looked better, but they can certainly be, be God. 
Um, and then the Texans, the other the other two win team here, Seahawks. I know the Seahawks just won, but this one is going to be in Houston. So I think that's a winnable mm-hmm. game next week. Then you got that Jacksonville. Then it's kind of rough. Then you got Chargers, 49ers, Titans. Maybe 49ers is winnable there. That that team has been very inconsistent, but that that is in San Francisco. So I feel like, again, maybe you got two winnable games for Houston, two winnable games for the Jaguars. The Jets, as you mentioned, have the Dolphins and the Jaguars. Um, and the Saints. Saints are in free fall right now. So Jets maybe have three winnable games. And then obviously the 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 last piece of the puzzle is the Lions here. And so let, let's let's look at the Lions last five games and you tell I guess can we go around Robin here and maybe like throw a percentage a win? We could. We probably. could. I mean, we I, could. I, Every percentage for me is gonna be sixty nine. Oh, so you <laughs> wow. Uh, sounds like you think the Lions are gonna win four games. Or six point nine. I had I had some questions that I was going to ask you guys that I have come okay. up with. Yeah, please, let's do that first. <clears throat> okay, all right. So how many wins will the Lions get against bird teams over the final five games? So the Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks. Yeah. Because it, it feels like this maybe determines whether or not the Lions slip out of the top yeah. three. Like. You view the Broncos game as being a maybe a potentially a, a game that you might be able to go on the road and, and build some <clears throat> momentum from this win that you love got that word. Love that word. But then you look at Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks. Like, do you think they go two and one? Do you think they go one and two? Do you think they go zero oh and three? I think they go. Here's the wild card. I don't know what they're going to do with the Broncos. Because I could see That's them going into de- what? That's not a bird team. I know it's not a bird team, <laughs> but I I'm saying overall this team has one win left in them. I I I I, I, I think they could win two, but I think you're right. I think they, they there's still one more win left in them, and let's let's hope there's one more win left in the Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jaguars as well. Yeah. But I think one of those wins come to. To answer your question, Ryan, I think I think the Lions either beat the Falcons or the Seahawks, but only one. So here's another question that I have: um, Packers a little bit banged up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that Aaron Rodgers isn't playing maybe at his peak um, because of that pinky toe injury. Is there Stop any it. chance the Packers don't play because they have things like wrapped up? No. In, in no, week. they'll be they'll be playing for home field. Well, they won't be maybe throughout the playoffs. So I think the way one of the benefits of the new playoff system where there's now seven teams that make the playoffs is that that one seed is very valuable, right? Because you get to buy. You're the only team that gets mm-hmm. to buy, whereas before you had two teams that get to buy. So either they're going to be fighting for that bye week, which I think is very possible that they're going to be fighting for that with the Cardinals, or they're fighting with maybe the, the bucks or whatever for, for two seeds instead of, yeah. Or the Cardinals. Well, the card. Yeah. Either way, but I think seeding is going to be important to them. I think in general, I don't know, like they're, I don't think they're going to have the one seed wrapped up. I think that's the only way that they probably sit is if they have the one seed wrapped up and I don't see that probably happening. But if they did get it wrapped up, it could be something viable. Sure. It could, but, I'm, but I mean, it's, it's a long shot, but I wonder, so maybe we should look at the rest of the schedules through that lens too. Like 
Jacksonville plays the Colts in week 18. Is it possible the Colts are either out of the playoffs completely or in a playoff spot that they're stuck in? That seems maybe possible. Houston, their last game of the season is the Titans. They could maybe have something wrapped up as well. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're going to be playing for, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, they, they pretty much have their division wrapped up. Maybe right. The Colts might catch them. But the Packers' remaining schedule is Bears, Ravens, Browns, Vikings, Lions. They have quite a few winnable games. They do. Like, very winnable games. True. And, and not to mention that three of those games are at home against the Bears, against the Browns, against the Vikings – the Packers are five and zero at home this year. So, so I guess to to wrap things up, what level of concern do you have right now of the Lions losing out on the number one or number two? Let's let's assume we and I know I know you're you're a big Kyle Hamilton guy, Chris, but let's assume most of the fan base has locked in on Thibodeau or Hutchinson, which it feels like they have. What what's your worry level that the lines fall out of one or two and, well, and let me, one of those guys? Yeah. Let me clarify. I don't, I'm not saying I want the lions to pick Kyle Hamilton. I just think people shouldn't underestimate maybe the attraction of Kyle Hamilton to other teams. Sure. Like he is going to be an athletic stud. And I think like, unless he has a bad combine showing like that, that's, that's something I, I keep hearing from people is about Kyle Hamilton. Um, I'm going to rate it at a 7% chance. Oh, that's it. Wow. I'm, I don't, I don't, I, I feel like this win as much as I love it, as much as I cherish it, the lions got an incredibly banged up team at the right time in the right moment with the right breaks, overcoming their own mistakes. Sure. I don't see that replicated with any of these teams remaining, except maybe the Seahawks. I just don't, I I don't see it replicated and two. Hold on. Let me do the math. My head two 14 and one is still the first overall pick. Maybe. Not not if, if the Texans lose out, not if two, two and a half wins is more than two. No, I just, I, I don't see, I don't see those teams finishing with less than three. Okay. That's fair. What about you, Ryan? I just don't. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I would be bummed out if the Lions didn't get an edge rusher because when Chris and I started this podcast or resurrected this podcast, we, 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 oh my God, we wanted an edge rusher. And then it was like every single year, the lions have no pressure off the edge. And I mean, I remember banging the table for Harold Landry and every draft we'd come in here and people would tell me to be reasonable. There's no good edge rusher in this class at the position. The lions are picking at. And every year I would hang my head in shame. Yeah. And I mean, look at the difference a really good pass rush makes. Like when the Lions were really hitting hitting on all cylinders for a little bit of car talk before we get out of here, it was when Charles Harris was just being a monster. Yeah. You know, it it was you know forcing forcing Kirk Cousins into you know bad bad decisions and and costly mistakes and just getting a guy like that is such a game changer. Sure. It, it doesn't matter at whatever level they play at. Like you you see how he's a game changer in college. Both these guys, 
Like you see how they could be game changers on Sunday. Like, and I'm with you, Jeremy. Like, I think that there, like, there is a very cream of the crop in this class. Like, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the people who say like, there are no like stud players like that are worthy of like being the quote unquote number one pick. I don't think I really buy that because we, I mean, we've seen how well Hutchinson and Thibodeau can play. And I think that those guys are wholly important in in holding on to either the number one or the number two pick. Yeah. And to bring it back to the basis of like, I I'm, I'm like a four and a half worried out of 10. Like, I think, I think it could certainly happen. I, I think the lines probably, I, I think the lines still have a win in them. Um, I mean, putting, putting this kind of, you can call it a fluke or whatever you want aside. They've been in the past four games at the very end of the game in every single one. And there, there are some bad teams out there. The Broncos are not a good team. The Seahawks are not a good team. The Falcons are not a good team. The Lions have a better um, point differential than the Atlanta Falcons. Like they're, they're a better team. They might be a better team than the Falcons. And so I think the Lions could win one they win two games. I don't think they're going to win. They're going to have that first overall pick. They might still be with, with one more win. And listen, none of that changes my rooting interest. I'm rooting for this team to win. I'm rooting for this, this team to, to get on a little bit of a ride, to get a little confidence in themselves going into 2022, because I think that's more important. And I know momentum. No, I didn't say that word. I he did say that. He is that describing word. momentum. No, He's absolutely describing no, the definition of momentum. Is different than momentum. Jeremy, um, do not do not kid yourself or anybody here. You but, would not trade a win versus the Atlanta Falcons for Aiden Hutchinson. No comment. <laughs> Jeremy's hoping that the Texans and Jags both finish with four wins. That is exactly what I'm hoping. Like, yes. can, can't we all just like win some games and just like feel good about ourselves? Jeremy is the biggest AFC South bottom feeder <laughs> group of fans. with a little bit of AFC East thrown in there for pure sickos mode. I think that does it. I think Wilson that does does Jeremy it. Reisman. <laughs> oh my god. I think that does it. Um, my internet went out there in the, in the middle of it. So uh, thank you, Jeremy, for picking that up there. And uh, yeah, this has been a very odd podcast. A very fun one. An oddcast. Oddcast. A podcast about uh, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. One of the best old school PC games. I thought you were going to say an oddly shaped ball, but no football. Oddly shaped ball. No. No. It's chaos. See you star side. It's uh it's it's kind chaos. See you chaos side. I don't what get out of here folks. We'll see you next time on the Pride of Detroit PD cast. Oh.